Sometime at night, Paul Malone look up in sky and say, what the hell going on up there? Do UFO live on other planet, phoning home like Hello, I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It's December 12th, 2023. That was woke, rich, Hollywood leftist Jimmy Kimmel not just in blackface, which he's done many times. It's one thing to be in blackface, but to be, to be in full black body, that takes commitment. Now, I know he has a team of people. He's got like 30 writers to make him however funny you all may think he is. He's got like a team of 87 makeup people and wardrobe people and the key grip and everything else, but they put him in full black. You think they gave him the black penis? What do you think? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, you'll see why we did that as the cold open, because obviously that video is from a couple years ago. He never got uh, canceled because of that, because he prays to the altar of wokeism, and that becomes a protection racket, so you can get away with that kind of stuff. Uh, they only come after you if you're a mean, you know, conservative, Republican, uh, white, Christian type, and, oh, Jew too. Uh, anyway, we are live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals. Uh, we do have our officially relaunched Dave Rubin dot store. I think there's an image gonna slide in right over there, yeah. Pick up some stuff for Hanukkah or Christmas for the family. They will thank you for it. Uh, and the theme of today's program is that uh, everyone is kind of realizing that the woke are a bunch of dingbats. But what do dingbats do when they are called out on their dingbattery? They double down. They double down, they double down, they double down. All of the times over the years that some of us have said, hey, wokesters, ease up. Look what you did. You caused a guy named Donald Trump to become president. Maybe what you're doing to people is causing them to do some strange things. Uh, they just double down and double down and double down. And now, now it is it is hit like a new level of doubling down. It's, it's accelerating at the moment, which I actually think is good because a lot of the institutions that they've infected need to burn at this point. Maybe five, 10 years ago, there was a moment where we could have saved some of these places, these institutions, these universities. Now they gotta go down. So Claudine Gay, which I, the fact that her name is Claudine Gay. Is she gay also? She seems like a lesbian. Straight. She's straight. I'm told she's straight apparently. How do you know that? How do you know that? Phoenix has his reasons. He knows that Claudine is straight. Anyway, her name is Claudine Gay. She's the president of Hamas University, as I call it. She's in some hot water now for some plagiarism stuff. Of course, this is on the heels of the president of UPenn being fired after that ridiculous um, congressional hearing from a couple days ago. Uh, and we are gonna unpack how affirmative action and how all of this race-based race lunacy has led us to a place that we are now watching all of the elite things crash and burn. And I would argue that's actually good for you because if you are a sane human being, you don't need all of that crap. There are much better ways to live your life. So I wanna start uh, with a clip uh, from comedian Bill Burr. He was on Jimmy Kimmel's show, so now you understand why we threw you the Jimmy Kimmel cold open there. And Bill Burr uh, is going off on the lefties, going off on the wokesters and the liberals. And it's kind of fun, because he's doing it right to Jimmy Kimmel's face. And of course, Jimmy Kimmel has been one of the main promulgators of these nonsensical ideas. Like, I know what I'm gonna tell my kids when they get to a certain age. I, I really am, like I have it down have about religion and, and people. Really? Narcissists, sociopaths, all of this type of stuff. Like you wanna see a great case thing on like narcissism. Liberals are so stupid the way that they handle Trump. 
What you do know? you mean? You should shut up. He's a narcissist. Neutral energy. Yeah. You Neutral. Think he, you think he'd go away if You know what I think he was? I think he was a one-hit wonder. Uh-huh. Right? He wrote the twist. Uh-huh. And then that was it. He was on the casino circuit, and then you yeah. idiot liberals wrote him twist again yeah. when you indicted him. And yeah. now he's a martyr. And now he's, he's coming back, Jimmy. The peppermint twist he's is back. He's coming yeah. back. <laughs> it's going to be great for comedy. He's coming back. <laughs> I can't believe, like, these are honestly going to be our two choices because I, I really try to, with each thing, to try to be, like, figure out who I'm going to put. I mean, it's got to be... I want somebody in their 40s, somebody that's going to have to live with their decisions. I don't want, like, you know... You with want... any luck... With any luck, they'll both die of natural causes <laughs> before the election. And maybe you could get somebody that still has something to live for. Wow. You know? You, this year, you're not going to get a visit from Santa, but you are going to get a visit from the Secret Service. Why? I said die peacefully. <laughs> oh, you did. I, I didn't did. hear peacefully. I did. Oh, oh you and did. then you threw that in. I must have thrown that in. Yeah. Bill Burr is Wait here. He means no harm. All right, look, these late night shows, they both suck and blow. We all know that. But what Bill Burr did there was actually offer a little bit of truth on that show. And I like how he's literally pointing at Jimmy Kimmel like, you, you are a moron and you have done this. And if you would have ignored the guy, he would have gone away and he's a narcissist and he needs attention. And then he even goes further. He's like, and you need him for business. So you're gonna bring him back. And that is the key thing that is happening with the Trump situation right now. They all need him for business. They can say they hate him. But if you turn on MSNBC at any point during the day, they're talking about Trump. You turn on CNN any time of the day, they're talking about Trump. You turn on any of these late night quote unquote comedy shows, they are talking about Trump. And then ironically, Bill Burr is like, I want someone in their 40s, someone with something to live for. There is a guy in his 40s with something to live for who is clearly the best politician we've had in decades in America, and it's interesting that they never say his name on television. His name is Ron DeSantis. Uh, but that actually is not the point. The point is what they are doing with Trump and how they double down constantly, right? So they doubled that Trump was a Nazi leader, he was Hitler, he's a fascist, and they keep going. And the new thing they are doubling down on is that Claudine Gay, who apparently is a straight woman, hot diggity dog, uh, that she's not an idiot, but she is. She has been the president of Harvard and she has accelerated the absolute lunacy, the systemic racism that Harvard uh, is now launching throughout the country because a lot of big graduates, they come out of Harvard, people wanna hire Harvard graduates. These people end up at all of our big companies, all of our big institutions, they end up in the government and everything else. And then all of the bad ideas that we are all hit with, like a pie in the face every day, they start at places like Harvard. But Claudine Gay is in a bunch of trouble. We'll get to that in just a second. I wanna tell you guys quickly about the wellness company and specifically their medical emergency kit. Awake doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough started the wellness company to build a parallel healthcare system and bring about change in a corrupt and failing system. And there are a lot of corrupt and failing systems right now. Part of that change is helping you take control of your health and supporting you through whatever the next thing is that gets thrown our way. Most people don't trust healthcare right now. In fact, over 40% of Americans say that they would avoid a doctor or a hospital unless it was a catastrophic situation. That's where the wellness company's medical emergency kit comes in. Eight potentially life-saving medications for you to keep on hand in times of need, natural disasters, supply chain shortages, 
medical emergencies, etc. cetera. Uh, rest easy knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics to help keep you and your family safe. The kit includes a comprehensive guidebook so you never have to guess how much to take or when to take it. If you're like me and you want to make sure your family's prepared for the unexpected, go to twc.health slash Ruben and use code Ruben to save 15% at checkout. That's twc.health slash Ruben, code Ruben for 15% off. And now back to me. So, okay, Claudine Gay, we've shown you a couple videos of the Harvard president, I should say the Hamas president, uh, from this congressional hearing over the last couple days. And it was pretty bad for her. It was pretty, pretty, pretty bad for Claudine Gay. Uh, but it's getting worse for Claudine Gay. I referenced this on the show yesterday, but a lot of it was unfolding as we were doing the live show. Uh, but Chris Rufo, you guys know Chris Rufo. He's been on the show many, many times from the Manhattan Institute. Uh, he's working with Governor DeSantis here in Florida to get wokeness out of all of our colleges and institutions. Uh, he has uncovered a massive scandal as it relates to Miss Gay. Here we go, here's a tweet from Chris. Exclusive, uh, Chris Brunette and I have obtained documentation demonstrating that Harvard President Claudine Gay plagiarized multiple sections of her PhD thesis, violating Harvard's policies on academic integrity. Integrity, this is a bombshell. First, Gay lifts an entire paragraph, nearly verbatim from a paper by Lawrence Bobo and Franklin Gilliams while passing it as her own paraphrase and language. Gay repeats this violation of Harvard's policy throughout the document, again using work from Bobo and Gilliam, as well as passages from Richard Shingle, Susan Howell, and Deborah Fagan, which she reproduces nearly verbatim without quotation marks. Second, Gay appears to lift material from scholar Carol Swain. In one passage the, summarizing the distinction between descriptive representation and substantive representation, she copies the phrasing and language nearly verbatim from Swain's book, Black Faces, Black Interests, without providing a citation of any kind. Third, Gay composes an entire appendix in the dissertation directly taken from Gary King's book, A Solution to the Ecological inference problem. While she cites King books, while she cites King's book later in the appendix, in fact, King was her dissertation advisor. Gay does not explicitly acknowledge that Appendix B is entirely grounded in King's concepts and language, instead passing it off as her own original work. These are flagrant violations of Harvard's plagiarism policy, which states that students who commit plagiarism will suffer disciplinary action up to and including requirement to withdraw from the college. The same standard should apply to the university president. Uh, let's go a little deeper on this. Aaron Sabarim, who works with Rufo, uh, he tweeted this, scoop. Rufo's examples are just the tip of the iceberg in four articles published between 1993 and 2017, including her dissertation. Gay paraphrased or quoted almost 20 authors without proper attribution, in some cases lifting entire paragraphs verbatim. We worked with nearly a dozen scholars to analyze 29 potential cases of plagiarism. Most of them said Gay had violated a core principle of academic integrity, plus Harvard's own anti-plagiarism policies, which state that it's not enough to change a few words here and there. Rather, scholars are expected to cite the sources of their work, including when paraphrasing and when to use quotation marks when quoting directly from others. But in at least 10 instances, Gay lifted full sentences, even entire paragraphs with just a work or two tweaked. In her 1997 thesis, for example, she borrowed a full paragraph from a paper by the scholars Bradley Palmquist 
and then, uh, then a political science professor at Harvard, and Stephen Voss, one of Gay's classmates in her PhD program at Harvard, while making only a couple alterations. So, okay, there's, there's a lot more on this. They offer a lot more evidence on this. And you might say, okay, Dave, why does this matter? Well, the reason it matters is that when you see this woman who can't figure out whether calling for genocide is against the bullying and harassment policy of her school, and when you know that Harvard has discriminated against Jews and white people and Asian people, and that is baked into the code of Harvard admissions, um, you might start thinking, have they hired the best and brightest? And why is it that we think of Harvard as an elite school? It's not just that you think of Harvard as an elite school. Harvard is thought of as the elite of the elite, right? If you said to nine out of 10 Americans, what's, what's the best college in America? Everyone just says Harvard. It's just the thing it's, that's become ubiquitous in our brains. Harvard is where all the smartest people go and they'll have the best jobs and they'll make the most money and live the most prosperous, successful lives. But in fact, the stupidest people in our country run our institutions. And not only the stupidest, the most duplicitous who don't even live up to the very standards that they would let the students, that they would force the students live up to. They are a bunch of frauds. But thankfully we have the Babylon Bee because look at this, I thought this one was just perfect. Harvard President Claudine Gay in hot water for plagiarizing large sections of Mein Kampf. <laughs> Obviously that's just a joke, although probably not really. Uh, anyway, you would think that Harvard, after finding out this information, it's been breaking over the last 48 hours or so, uh, that they would be getting rid of her. But no, what did I say at the top of the show? These guys double down constantly. They take a bad situation, they make it worse. They take a bad set of ideas, they offer them rocket fuel, and that is what Harvard has just done. This is from this morning, from Disclosed TV. Just in, Harvard board unanimously stand in support of Claudine Gay. I'm not gonna read you the whole statement there, but the entire freaking place just said, okay, lady, you're a little unclear about whether genocide uh, for some of your students matters. You've also stolen a bunch of stuff for your dissertation, which we would kick students out of the school for, but we're gonna stand with you. And I wanna go a little further on this, because uh, Phoenix showed me this one this morning. This is from a, a ran somewhat random Twitter account that I don't know, but it got 2.4 million views. And I think it illustrates how insane all of this is. So say it with me. Black women do not owe you their citations. Black women do not owe you their citations. Black women do not owe you their citations, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, actually, that we have academic standards for a reason. It got 2.4 million views. Two, that's, a, that's an awful lot of views, okay? Uh, but yes, black women owe citations. White men owe citations. Oompa Loompas owe citations. All people owe citations. That's how academia works. If you, it's, not, it's okay to take ideas. It's okay to have people who have thought things through before you, people who've done research before you, done studies, looked at stats, and then you credit them for that. Actually, one of the things that I love doing on this show is crediting people and doing it accordingly. Every day before the show, I tweet out the link to the show and then I tweet out all of the handles of the people that we've used as the source material on the show. But I wanna show you one other thing. So this luckhead person, and I'm only mentioning this because look at this, 2.1 million views. But this, this set of ideas that is so wrong is just running, running roughshod across our institutions right now. Listen to this follow-up. 
Demanding black women cite their sources is thinly veiled white supremacist rhetoric meant to cast suspicion on black women's work and or imply black women could not produce it without the help of white men. The sole purpose of peer review is to gatekeep white academia and preserve Eurocentric standards by decentering black voices and discrediting anti-colonial slash other ways of knowing. But y'all ain't ready for that conversation. <laughs> um, that's just all complete epic bullshit. Okay, like, no, it's not true. If, um, I, okay, so black people, black women, should be allowed to submit papers to get jobs and go to schools and all that, and, and you shouldn't be able to check their work. But a white guy comes in, and he's, well, I done gone put this together. I don't know what accent that was, but here's my paper, and I'm a white guy, I'd like this job. And the white guy, you should have to look at his work, check him, did he carry the one? Well, let's see, black lady, oh no, black lady, please don't even hand me that paper. You, you, you put that on a piece of paper, you <laughs> take the job. You want a couple bucks out of my pocket? It's all completely insane, but we let it in. We have to acknowledge that, we let it in and it's everywhere now. And now I wanna show you a little bit more. I think we played a portion of this clip couple days ago, uh, but this is Claudine Gay in Congress giving testimony. This woman does not know what the high hell's going on in this school, or she's lying about it. Either way, I'm pretty sure she should not be president, even of Hamas University. Enjoy. Harvard receives funding from foreign entities and governments which support its Middle East Studies Department, correct? We receive funding from a variety of sources because we have alumni from all over the world. But that is correct, right? The Middle Eastern Studies Department? We receive funding from it's various sources. It's a yes sources. or no. Are you not aware where the Middle Eastern Studies Department receives funding? We receive funding from various sources. I am asking sources. you a yes or no question. You are under oath in front of the United States Congress. You are giving lip service provided your attorneys. It's a yes or no question. Harvard receives funding from foreign entities and governments which support its Middle Eastern Studies Department, correct? We have alumni all over the world, and we benefit so the from answer's their correct. and their yes. philanthropy. Yes, the answer is correct. We receive support from and our alumni a, from all over the and world, support, from individuals. And what amount of support is that reported to the federal government? I'd have to actually look at our filings. You I, don't know? As the president of the university, you don't know? Not that particular number. It's no, $1.5 billion over the past three years. Are you aware of that? I don't know if that is the correct number, but that's the number you've shared. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know how I got here. I have no idea. So they've received $1.5 billion from the Middle East Studies Department. $1.5 billion. Think about it. For a Middle East Studies Department, like it's a, it's a place of academia, we're to believe. So they have books, they have desks. Like they don't need a lot of equipment. Got Connor over here, he's got a computer. What do you have over there? You got an iPad over there, there's a little microphone, there's wires everywhere. These things cost money. What do these people need $1.5 billion to do? It's such a giant brainwashing grift. But foreign entities have, have funneled massive, 1.5, that means $1.5 billion. That's $500 million a year given to Harvard, to the Middle East Studies. She doesn't know why. She doesn't know how much money. She doesn't know what they're doing with the money. She has no freaking idea what's going on. But of course, that's not the clip. Oh, and by the way, Stefanik, who does just a bang up job, just a great job, professional, clear, clean, everything else, despite what Saturday Night Live did with her the other day. Uh, she is a Harvard grad also. So this is a little bit personal to her. 
Um, but now I want to show you something else because the clip that went viral, obviously, over the last couple of days was when Stefanik was asking the president of Penn and MIT and Harvard about their bullying and harassment policies as it pertains to calling for genocide of Jewish people. Now, we all know that the bullying and harassment policy is different than the First Amendment. We can have a debate about river to the sea, calling for genocide as it relates to the government and First Amendment. But when you're talking about a school's bullying and harassment policy, that's an internal document that the school says, these are the standards we have. So these are things that should have been able to be answered very easily. They could not answer them or they obfuscated or McGill from uh, Penn basically said, oh, the speech is fine, but it's only when it turns into action that we have a problem, which is like, well, post-genocide, <laughs> you know, we should have said something. Well, look at all these dead Jews. Anyway, someone created this. Uh, this is this is AI, I suppose they call it. Uh, replacing the word Jew with black and LGBT, and I think it illustrates the point quite perfectly. Ms. McGill, at Penn, does calling for the genocide of black and brown people violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of LGBTQ people, does that constitute bullying or harassment? It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Muslim people is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer yes, Ms. McGill. I want to be clear about something. You know, when they talk about marginalized people there, if there was a group of people that were walking through the Harvard or Penn campus chanting for the genocide of white people, that would be just as bad. So it doesn't, it's this, it's not about marginalized people actually. So I'll even go further than that video is going, right? If you are calling for the genocide of any set of people, whether they're marginalized in your worldview or not, that is bad. And that should not be allowed at our places of higher education. Anyway, Harvard is really in a free fall right now. They have a massive, massive freaking problem. Uh, they released this tweet. Uh, this is two days ago. A statement from President Gay. There are, <laughs> President Gay, I just love it. There are some who have confused a right to free expression with the idea that Harvard will condone calls for violence against Jewish students. Let me be clear. Calls for violence or genocide against the Jewish community or any religious or ethnic group are vile. They have no place at Harvard and those who threaten our Jewish students will be held to account. Th that is the same exact stuff she refused to say. She refused to say that under oath. It was only after getting the endless river of shit which she deserved that she finally said, okay, it's a problem to do that. Uh, I responded to Harvard with this. Change your name to Hamas University and be done with it. And I only mention that because this is one of the greatest ratios of all time. You guys know about ratios on Twitter when the responder gets way more traction than the original tweeter. They got 11,000 likes, Harvard University, on their nonsense from President Gay. I got 46,000 likes, okay? And that's what it's really about. 
Anyway, let's continue because we are watching the insanity unravel everywhere. Another place that was not included, although should have been, in that insane congressional hearing from a couple days ago is Columbia University. I used to live on uh, 83rd in Amsterdam, and over the years, while I had a little two-bedroom apartment there, I had many uh, roommates, because it was my apartment, it was a two-bedroom apartment, I had many roommates who were Columbia students that would rent the other room for me. Uh, and I would go hang out up near Columbia and all that, and that's it's, it's like an Upper West Side legendary, it's a, well, not Upper West Side legendary school, it's, it's one of the legendary schools of America, right? Uh, here is a quote from Abigail Anthony at the National Review as per what's going on at Columbia University right now. Pro-Palestinian students at Columbia University have organized a tuition strike for the spring 2024 semester over Israeli apartheid. We want our university to refuse to invest in ethnic cleansing and genocide abroad. We refuse to accept our university's silencing of student voices and demanding, demanding decolonization on our campus reads a document by the students who intend to announce a tuition strike after a thousand pledges. We refuse to allow our tuition dollars to fund apartheid. The strike is organized by the Barnard Columbia Abolitionist Collective, the Young Democrats Socialists of America, and the Student Worker Solidarity Organizations. You want to hang out with a group of people that can't, can't get a boner, there you go. Uh, the protesters demand a referendum for students across all Columbia University schools on the issue of divestment from companies profiting from or otherwise supporting Israeli apartheid and Columbia's academic ties to Israel. The students demand that Columbia remove board of trustees member, board of trustee members whose personal investments, financial commitments, employment, or other business relations entail profit from or support of Israeli apartheid, and further demand a commitment to annually issuing a comprehensive list of board of trustee conflicts of interest with Columbia's investments. What a pathetic group of actually racist morons, and you idiots. Good, don't put your money into Columbia. Look, Columbia should fail, you all should fail, you all deserve each other. It is a match made in hell. Here's a video of some students at Columbia chanting, long live the Intifada. Note the name of the building they're standing outside. You're gonna find this one funny. Yeah, that was outside the Milstein Center. Wait till they find out what religion that guy was when they're taking a poop after that thing. I mean, it's all so stupid. These are not the best and the brightest. These children, and again, I have some degree of sympathy for them because the algorithms have broken their brains, their families have failed them, all of the academics have failed them, but Good, don't go to Columbia, let Columbia burn. As I stand, I truly, I stand by this statement right now and forever. I will never hire another college graduate, period, at my companies, that's it. And I'm holding, and you, Connor, you graduated college, I'm holding it against you for now on. Brock, you graduated college, you're screwed, man. When, when we knock out your end bonuses, yeah. You're gonna really crush it this year, Phoenix, because he dropped out of college, a little something extra for you. These people are insane. They deserve none of our respect. Okay, let's continue for just a moment. Um, if you wonder, well, how is it that at our elite universities where we should be teaching people that individual rights matter and that meritocracy matters, and it's not what skin color you are, but it's your actions that really are the things you should be judged. And if you wonder how that, it all got so reversed 
it might have a little something to do with affirmative action because our government put in policies as it relates to governmental hiring and then across universities as well that said if you are a certain skin color you will have a better chance of getting into a school than someone of another skin color and they did this in the name of anti-racism even though of course it's the most racist thing you can possibly do uh, the end wokeness account on twitter had a, had a really interesting uh, summary of this here is a small sample of college admission rates by race Black students in the bottom percentiles are often more likely to get in than white or Asian students in the top percentile. This is systemic racism. And of course, as you guys know, uh, Harvard has been discriminating against Jews and Asians for many, many years. Uh, and of course, what happened six or eight months ago, the Supreme Court reversed the affirmative action uh, decision as it pertains to colleges. So they said, oh, you cannot discriminate based on the color of their skin. And then what did Claudine Gay and a whole bunch of other college presidents do? They said, okay, well, the Supreme Court said we can't discriminate on race, but we'll figure out, they literally put out statements, we played one of them on air, that we'll figure out other ways to make it happen. But what do you think it does to a place of higher learning where you wanna send students to become the best doctors and you want them to become the best engineers, the best, most important jobs to keep a society going. If you say, okay, we're no longer gonna take the kids who work the hardest, who have the best grades and all of those things, and we can all have debates about who had money first and how did you grow up and all those things. But at the end of the day, if you want a functioning society, you want the best and the brightest in a colorblind manner, so that one day when you have a heart attack and you're laying there, and you're about to drop dead, they don't bring in some doctor who got into his high school easier because of the skin color, his college easier, the med school easier, and then got the job easier, and he walks in and he's like, uh, oh my God, look at this guy, his heart's about to explode. Ah, what the hell am I gonna do? We all know it, we all know it, but we've allowed it, and we have to fix it. Now, how have we allowed it? We have allowed it because we've handed all of our cultural keys to the crazy leftists. Now I'd like to show you something from Netflix. Oh, and I'm very excited to say, you know, every time I talk about Netflix, I always say, I don't know what I'm gonna do about Netflix because I do still have Netflix and it's mostly because I just wanna watch Seinfeld. Connor, God bless him. You know what he got me? You know what he got me for Chrismica? He got me all nine seasons of Seinfeld on DVD. Now, if I only can find a DVD player, we're gonna make this thing work, but I may finally be able to get rid of Netflix. And if you wanna know why, check this out. There is a new, it's a, it's a series or a movie? It's a movie, right? I think it's a movie. A new sci-fi movie about a dystopian future. It's called Leave the World Behind. And it was produced by Barack and Michelle Obama. I don't know what they know about sci-fi or dystopian futures, although they are trying to usher us into one. And check out, there was one clip of it. It's about a 15, 20 second clip. Uh, it's on Netflix right now that was going viral because the, the dystopian future and people are talking, how are you gonna rebuild society? because things have gone so wrong and yeah, well, you're gonna, you can guess what they're gonna do, watch. I'm asking for you to remember that if the world falls apart, trust should not be dulled out easily to anyone, especially white people. Even mom would agree with me on that. Even mom. She likes white people, not like you, dad. You hate white people, I hate white people, even mom would not want to hand the keys to the kingdom in the future to white people. Former president of the United States and his wife produced that garbage. I, I have not seen the rest of it, it is irrelevant. 
the fact that that line even got in there, that's what is that is. So you sit your kids down in front of Netflix. You sit them in front of Disney. You sit your kid in front of Disney. They tell them to chop their genitals off. You sit them in front of Netflix. They tell them that white people shouldn't be part of the future. And then you wonder why we have trannies for Hamas closing our bridges. But it's everywhere, it's everywhere. Even politicians who are sort of halfway decent have been infected by identity politics. So here's a guy, Kevin McCarthy, who I largely like. I just saw him in London. He took us to the to DC at the Capitol when he was Speaker of the House and we did a live show. It was, one of, it was actually one of the highlights of me doing this entire show, going to the Capitol with a live audience, speaking, speaking to the Speaker, taking a tour. Uh, but he just gave a talk uh, actually, the week that I saw him in London, he gave a talk at Oxford University. And just listen to this one line, and you'll understand why this has affected everybody across the board. And when you look at the Democrats, they actually look like America. When I look at my party, we look like the most restrictive country club in America. It's not, it's not, I guess, yes, it gets the easy laugh. It's an easy laugh. Yes, Republicans are the party of old white people. But it's not, it's just weak and it's nothing. And I don't know, you've been a Republican with power for a long time. So what, what did you do to fix it if you think it's a problem? But it's just, it's just pandering drivel. The ideas of freedom and liberty and individual rights and believing that this country's founding was good and believing in borders and all those things, which generally now are Republican principles when he's talking about his party, those are colorblind ideas. But unfortunately, the whole cultural apparatus has so captured everybody's brain that you have a former leader, a guy who was leading the Republican Party only a few, two months ago, up there basically trying to die, uh, trying to just impale himself, Harry Carey, on the altar of social justice. And it is not good. It is not good because at the end, men will be women, Jews will be oppressors, up will be down, two plus two will equal five, and a whole bunch of other crazy stuff. So now I wanna show you video of Fatima Goss Graves. She is president of the National Women's Law Center. And here she is uh, unable to answer if there are differences between men and women. Genetic composition of a transgender versus a woman the same? No. Well, I'm not a scientist. But well, we're talking science. about science here, so I, mean, I hope you, I, they're I, not the same. So that's why you see all these physiological differences. If I can answer, though, I, I mean, if your question is, um, how do you define woman? A woman is an adult female, but there's a lot of variation that goes beyond my level of high school biology. Well, I'm going to tell you, you so, can't. I, I'm not looking at a definition. I'm talking about the science. The science genetically is a man is a man is a different genetics than women. Plain and simple. That's just so what it is. I, I guess what it, I would say is that it is. I'm not a scientist or a doctor, but it is my understanding that it is more complex than what you are saying, in that there is variation among men and among women, and sometimes more variation um, among than there is between. Again, I'm not a scientist, and you know, I, I don't think the panelists are scientists either. It seems like it may be a different scientific hearing that you can. Well. That's why you have the differences. That's why you see muscle mass. That's why you see tidal volume. That's why you see all these right variations. So, for example, in the WNBA, there's players that are five foot five, and there's players that are um, six foot nine. So let me there's so wide let me, variation. Now, now that you brought that up, let's, now that you brought that up, let's talk about that. So, uh, the, the center for the, the Arizona uh, the Phoenix Mercury, she had to get a genetics test to prove that she was a woman. Did she not? 
You know what? She did. And it's actually going to the problem with these sorts of sex verification, verification and sex texting. Well. That um, when I think about what all women, but especially uh, black women. Especially black women. Okay. There was so much insanity there that it really is hard to, to unpack it. But I will try. First off, again, that woman is the president of the National Women's Law Center. And she can't say what a woman is. Lady. Look down. You got a pussy, you're a woman. You got a dick, you're a dude. I'm not a scientist. I've been operating on that theory for a long time, and, and most people have. That'll pretty much solve it for you. That's number one. Number two, she then compares the varying ways that one might define a woman, comparing, them, comparing that to height. If you're five foot four and you got a pussy, you're a woman. If you're five foot nine and you got a pussy, you're a woman. Do we have to keep going here or did we make the point? Made the, one more. If you're six foot four and you got a dong, you're a dude. That's our show for today. No, all right, you get it. But these people have, have so broken the brains of everybody that then you get a group called Queers for Palestine marching in support of Hamas last night closing the Manhattan Bridge. Enjoy. KKK, IDF, you're all the same. NYPD, KKK, IDF, you're all the same. NYPD, KKK, IDF, you're all the same. Free Palestine. Free Palestine. Free Palestine. Free Palestine. Oh yes, NYPD, KKK. That, I love when they come up with the chance. You think they're just like working this out on the paper. We got a couple letters here, a couple letters here. What rhymes with what? None of it makes any sense. The NYPD, like, oh, it's all drivel. All of those gay, ridiculous, queer, two-spirit dingbats should be sent to Gaza, go have a ball, have one of your fabulous parties and see how it works out. Now, unfortunately for you, or I guess it is fortunate, come to think of it, there are less tall buildings in Gaza now, so they're gonna have to throw, instead of pushing you off a three-story building, which immediately would kill you, they're just gonna have to push you off a pile of rubble and <laughs> rubble, and then you're just gonna get a little wound in the head. Although their heads are already wounded. Um, but if you wanna continue with how ridiculous this is, uh, here's a video of three leftist lunatics, and of course they're masked morons at a coffee, at a coffee shop, harassing a Jewish customer who just wants to go to the bathroom. Private property. I, I want to go into the restroom. Yeah. I, I know Israel loves taking private property and saying it's their own, but we gotta head. You're not going to let me You're go into the restroom, them, so I need you to leave. Please. I want you to go yeah. into the restroom. I need you to leave, please. I was patron here, and I have a right to go into the restroom. And we have a right to Yeah, but I need to go into the restroom. I'm asking you to leave. No, you need to let me go into the no, restroom. I don't. I'm asking. I, I'm a patron here, and okay. I need to go to the restroom. I'm kindly asking you to leave. Think how. 
fucking mentally. Uh, well, I'm sure we got demonetized already, right? Like, you can't say pussy three times on YouTube. What is this? Look like these people, these masked, intersectional, green-haired, They've all been fired, so actually there's a nice ending to this story. These people no longer work at that coffee shop. But, but imagine, regardless of whatever your feelings are happening about 10,000 miles away across the Atlantic in the Middle East, that you would stop a woman from going to the bathroom who buys a cup of coffee at your store because of whatever your feelings about that thing are. But that is how this has happened. And the reason I'm playing you that video is not, yes, it's nice to make fun of these purple-haired dingbats, but it's also that bad things happen in small steps. We have shown you this video a couple of times over the years, and I think it's worth showing right now because we are, we're seeing some good things happen right now, like more and more people are waking up, maybe Hamas University will collapse, all of that. But bad things happen in small steps. They don't just happen overnight, right? The Nazis didn't just appear overnight. The actual Nazis, Hitler, the actual Hitler didn't just appear overnight. It's small steps. Before you know it, you look back and you go, man, maybe we should have done a little something. Jordan Peterson. Things get to terrible places one tiny step at a time. You know, if I encroach, I, if I encroach on you and I'm sophisticated about it, I'm going to encroach two millimeters. I'm going to encroach right to the point where you start, start to protest. Then I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to wait. Then you're going to calm down. Then I'm going to encroach again right to the point where you protest. Then I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to wait. And I'm just going to do that forever. And before you know it, you're going to be back three miles from where you started, and you'll have done it one step at a time. And then you'll go, oh, how'd I get here? And the answer was, well, I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone, and you agreed. And so then I pushed you a little farther than you should have gone again, and you agreed. And if anybody's interested in this sort of process, and this is a horrifying book, if you want to read about how this process works, you can read a book called Ordinary Men by Rob. You see, so it doesn't happen overnight. Evil doesn't just appear overnight. It festers and it, and it preys on the fact that most of us are distracted with other things. And in, in modern times, it's because we're all distracted with this. So you see little things and you, oh, that's a, that's a little weird. And kid came home wearing a dress and I guess that's a little bizarre. And, and they're calling for the genocide of those people. And maybe I should do something about that. What's on Netflix tonight? Oh, they're telling me about how bad white people are. And it just keeps moving and moving and moving and they push, right? What did I say yesterday? That it feels like we've been running through a test over the last couple of years. Could we force people to live inside their homes and tell them they can't go outside and put masks on outside? And could we put tell people that they can't be uh, with their families during Thanksgiving and that they should have to have holidays outdoors and they can't have parties? And we'll tell people that we're gonna inject them with some experimental thing that we have no idea. And we all kind of did it. Could we tell people that uh, they don't have to follow the law and you're actually allowed to jump the turnstile and you can close down bridges when you want. So you push, 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 push. And eventually, the systems all start breaking down and perhaps that's where we are right now. So I got one more for you to scare the bejesus out of you. You have a little something to do with this. And if you do not speak up, it will all get worse because that's how it works. They prey on your silence and do not give them their prayer. The reason that people lie and the reason they remain silent is because they think that things will be easier for them and better, at least in the short term. But the psychological literature on this is pretty damn clear. I think, I think clearer than any other element of the clinical psychology literature, which is that you avoid things that stand in your way that frighten you at your great peril. 
If you cower from them in silence, or you turn away seeking security even, or even sensible security, you violate the principle of your own strength. And if you violate the principle of your own strength, you become weak. And if you're weak, there is no security. Doesn't that kind of feel like where we're at, right? I think you know it. I think everybody knows it. We should have fought this stuff harder years ago. We all perhaps tried to our own degree. We all woke up at different points. We did not realize how evil this was. We didn't realize what the TikTok algorithm was gonna do to a generation. We all have our reasons, right? Literally, every single one of us, myself included. But here we are now, and the silence now is adding fuel to the fire, right? What Basically, what Jordan's saying there is don't be the frog in the slowly boiling pot, right? Like, don't just think that everything's gonna kind of be okay because the temperature just gets turned up a little bit. Oh, and they burned down that Pep Boys and they took out all that targets over there and now your cities aren't safe and nothing's really working over there and homeless people and drugs everywhere and they're letting everybody in through immig you know, illegal immigration blah, 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 blah. and then you don't have a country anymore and you don't have a house anymore because it's not safe to live in your house uh, because your community has fallen apart and everything else. So do a little something. Now, that is our show. Uh, if you'd like to join us for the post game, rubenreport.locals.com, people of the internet, Isabel is back. We'll be live at 1 p.m. as always. Uh, and we do have a, no, a new account on Twitter. As I've mentioned a couple times, it's at Ruben Report Show for show clips. Uh, we leave you with the elderly man pretending to be president because I did not reference him once on today's show. And it would only be fair to get one good laugh at him. Adios. Ciao. Arrivederci. On my watch, instead of Infrastructure Week, America's having Infrastructure Decade. Decade. Over a billion, three hundred million, trillion, three hundred million dollars. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.